0: standing on this holy ground we do declare Lord from our hearts that we are hunger for you so Lord that you feed us and satisfy from your word Lord we are wicked and we know how to give good gifts to our children how much more our Heavenly Father will give us when we ask. Will you please satisfy, O God, our hungering soul as we feast around the table? O blessed Holy Spirit, open our eyes, open our understanding that we may understand. And I thank you, Lord, that these are the people who have a hunger for your word, And I thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. As we have, as I have announced, that first two Lord's Day, we will consider the book of Job. And uh, last two Lord's Day in the month will begin our study from 2 Peter. And when there are five Sundays, the third Sunday we will consider question-answer. And if you have a question-answer, you can write it down and give it to me that I can prepare myself. Any comments, any compliments, any criticism, I'm learning because we all are learners. If anybody thinks that he has learned everything, he ceases to learn. And I never cease to learn. I always learn till I die. And we thank God that we have a spirit of learning. And that's why you are here. You're not graduated. You are learning and we are here. By the way, Bible is for the children of the truth. Bible is the book for the children of truth. And those who are children of truth are the one who comes to hear the Bible and study the Bible. And I'm so grateful that you are one of them. And I'm very, very grateful. We are studying, we are looking into 2 Peter. It's a very interesting epistle. And I believe that is, I was reading several times and I thought that this would be a wonderful for the last day's epistle, because Jude and Second Peter, we can compare together so many similarities. It's a warning challenge, and also it is self-examination about our salvation. And this is very important epistle. The author is our Peter. Our Peter. Peter was the acknowledged leader and spokesman of the apostolic band. His name comes in all four New Testament, all synoptic gospels of, uh, in the Bible, in the New Testament. Matthew writes in chapter 10 and Mark writes in chapter three and Luke writes in chapter six. When apostles' band is written, the first name comes, my Peter. Peter always comes first. And he, as a leader, is a spokesman. He, in Acts chapter 1, verse 13, he always, that, that is the name Peter. Along with his brother Andrew, who introduced Peter to Jesus Christ. If you know your New Testament uh, study, it is v- beautiful. That how Peter was introduced to Jesus Christ. Let me take you back to John's Gospel, chapter 1. And chapter 1, verse 30 to 35. Andrew and John, the brother of James, the son of Zebedee. John and Andrew, they were the disciples of John the Baptist. Keep that in mind. So they were student disciples of John the Baptist and all of a sudden Jesus is coming and John the Baptist introduced Jesus Christ as a Lamb of God. Remember that? In John chapter 1 verse 29 and chapter 1 verse 35. Behold the Lamb of God. So Andrew and John look at Jesus and he said, Rabbi, where do you live? Verse 34. He said, come and see. So uh, Andrew and John went and stayed overnight with Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? They stayed overnight with Jesus. And then they went back. So Andrew went first to his brother, Peter. And he said, we have found him, Messiah. We have found Messiah. And in verse 41, Jesus met He said, thou art Simon, son of Jonah. Thou thou shalt be called Cephas, stone. That's how Simon was introduced to Jesus Christ and Messiah. Well, Simon and Andrew and Simon, they were originally from Bethsaida, John chapter one, verse 44. But later they moved to larger town called Capernaum, Mark chapter 1, verse 21 and 29. Businessmen. They were businessmen. They were fishermen. They were successful one As I evidence, they, were space. they moved to Capernaum and they bought a big house. The Bible tells us that they have a spacious place. We know Peter was married because Jesus healed his mother-in-law, remember? In Luke chapter 4, verse 38. And his wife accompanied his wife accompanied him in a missionary traveling journey in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 5. So this is the background of Peter. Peter's full name was Simon Bar Jonah, uh, literally Simon, son of Jonah. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 41. Do you know there are there were eight Simons in the New Testament? There are eight Simons in the New Testament. Let me run through you. Number one, Simon the zealot. Matthew chapter 10 verse 4. Simon the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 13 verse 55. Simon the leper. Matthew chapter 26 verse 6. Simon the serene who carried the Lord Jesus Christ's cross. You remember that? Then the Simon the Pharisee, at whose house Jesus had a meal, in Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Simon the father of Judas Iscariot, John chapter 6, verse 71. Simon the magician, well, that is Acts chapter 8, verse 9 to 24. Simon the tenor, with whom Peter stayed in Joppa. So there were eight Simons. In the New Testament. Well at their first meeting. Jesus named Peter Cephas. So Peter is always introduced as a Cephas. Stone. Stone. Keep that in mind because I'm going to explain to you. And try to give you some information which is very, very important. Stone or little rock. In Aramaic, it is a little rock. After the resurrection, Jesus called Peter Simon. For the last time, Peter was waiting for the Lord to appear. And in Matthew chapter 28, verse 7, then Peter impulsively announced, I'm going for fishing. <laughs> Remember? He 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 thought that Jesus would come along and he did not. So he said, I'm going for fishing. And being a leader, what happened? Everybody joined with him. Everybody joined with him. And in, in John chapter 21, we find that there were seven disciples joined with him. But what happened? They did not catch a single fish. They did not catch a single fish. Because Jesus called the fishing, go away. But those whom Jesus called to be the fisher of man, he did not allow again to go back to catch the fish. Isn't it true? When the Lord has sealed over you, he would not let you down. Even you try to go, He will bring you back. You will never be successful no matter where you go. If the salvation is eternal. Then your call. For what the Lord has called you is also eternal. This is what is happening. Next morning. Next morning Jesus met. The unsuccessful crew. On the shore. And he prepared them breakfast. Isn't it wonderful? Jesus prepared the breakfast. I like to be there. Afterward, Jesus asked Peter three times, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than this? What does that teach us about our Lord? He is not finished. And the the failure is not final. In the life of God's children. Remember my friends. Tell your children. If they think the failure is the final. Remind this story. Failure is not final. Failure is not final. Do you love me more than this? And the Lord lifted Peter up. A few weeks later the Holy Spirit descended on Peter and the rest of the apostles. And Peter looked the lead and finding the replacement of Judas Iscariot. Acts chapter 1, verse 15 and 26. Peter fearlessly preached because Jesus promised them that you shall receive the power You you shall receive the Holy Spirit, and you will be empowered, and you will be witnessing in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and uttermost part of the world, Acts 1.8. And then Peter preached his fearless sermon to the crowd in Acts chapter 2, verse 14 to 42. And then in chapter 3, verse 12 to 26, He boldly confronted Jewish authorities. Chapter 4, verse 8 to 22. Unhesitatingly, he disciplined the sinning church members. It takes courage to discipline sinning members in the church. And Peter did it. Peter did it. Sinning. Church members, you know Anan and Sapphira. and zealously denounced the false teacher. Confronted false teachers, he confronted the false teacher Simon the Magician. You remember, and then Peter was the first the Lord used him to reach out the Gentiles, in Acts chapter ten, and and uh, the afterwards Peter appears at the Jerusalem Council, Acts chapter fifteen, and then Peter disappeared. Then, people, then Peter disappeared from, 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 the, from the New Testament until he wrote his epistle. And Paul, and Paul did write about Peter's missionary travel in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 5. The scripture indicates that the Peter visited Antioch. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 to 21, probably he traveled to Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12, and throughout Asia Minor, chapter 1, Peter first, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. According to the tradition, Peter was crucified upside down, and Paul was beheaded in Rome before AD 70 during Nero's persecution. Second Peter, who authored this epistle and date? The author of 2 Peter is the Apostle Peter. In chapter 1, verse 1, Peter makes that claim. And in chapter 3, verse 1, he refers in his first epistle. In chapter 1, verse 14, 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 14, Peter refers to the Lord's prediction of his death, which is already in Acts, John chapter 1, chapter 21, verse 18 and 19. In chapter 1, 2 Peter, Peter chapter 1, verse 16 to 18, Peter claims to have been at the transfiguration, uh, uh, which is referred to Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 4, and Luke chapter 1 and verse Luke chapter 9. You know, this is beside this point. But have you ever thought, this dawned on me as I read and read and read, who appeared on Mount of Transfiguration? Who appeared? Oh, Peter, James, and John were there, right? But who came from heaven? That they came alive from heaven and they went back heaven alive have you ever thought about that I was wondering and I said they must be alive in heaven they must be alive in heaven that makes me more homesick (laughs) (coughs) they are alive in heaven And they took, they, they immediately taken back to heaven. They came back from heaven. They took their trip back to heaven. Isn't it wonderful? That reminds me that one of these days we shall be taking the trip. That should give us excitement. Are you excited? Or you are so content here. Are you excited here, or are you looking forward that one day you will be caught up? It just dawned on me. I said, "Wow." So Moses and Elijah must be having conference in heaven, along with others. Is it wonderful? So they are alive, my friends. They're not dead. The dead people cannot travel from heaven. They're alive, so there is a hope. There's a hope for all those who die in Christ Jesus. Yes. It just reminds me how Jesus said of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that is the God of the living, a, not the dead. Amen to that. Amen to that. And Lazarus is there. We are going to see Lazarus too. It's a wonderful. So there we have. So 1st Peter was written to help the suffering Christian. You know if you read 1st Peter Peter being a pastor of this Asia Minor and the believers were going through raw ro- Nero persecutions. Imagine my friends. It was severe persecutions. That the believers were become the torch they were burned. And Romans people were having party when the believers were burned. Same thing will happened when the Pope declared that he is the final authority and when the pastor declined the Pope is the final authority, they were burned just like that. So 1 Peter was written to encourage believers, hang on, hang, hang on, the best is yet to come. The Second Peter was written to expose the false teachers. And you know, my friends, today we have so many false teachers around us. And if you do not know who are they, you can be gullible to buy what they sell. And today, there are so many salesmen on the pulpit. There are so many salespeople on the TV who sells their product. And because people do not ground it in the knowledge of God's word, they can buy anything and everything. You know, the other day, inside Edison, my wife was showing me, Kenneth Copeland is one of the false teachers of America. And there was another one. And inside Edison was taking, inter- oh, you can see his face. Devil face on his, him. And the lady confronted her him, and he could not face him. He could not. And my heart was so grieved that how many widows he fleeces. Do you know how many times? According to the record, 188 times he went to Hawaii for his luxury trip. Whose money? He has a two private jet. One jet is fifty million dollar. Whose money is? False teacher. How many people? Follow Satan. Second Peter was written to expose false teachers. We'll find out as we study second Peter. Nero died AD 68. And the tradition says that in Nero's persecution, these epistles may have written just before his death, A.D. 67, 68 from Rome prison. Peter wrote this. What was the background? Since the time of the writing and the sending his first letter, Peter had become increasingly concerned about the false teacher who were infiltrated the churches in Asia Minor. Though these false teachers had already caused trouble Peter expected that these heretical doctrines and Im- immoral lifestyle would result in the more damage in the future. This, Thus Peter, in all, uh, at almost last wheel of testament, in chapter one, verse 13 to 15, wrote, To warn the believers, beloved believers in Christ about the doctrinal dangers they were facing. Beloved, it's so important. And that's why I emphasize over and over again, this doctrinal teaching is very, very, very important. Only you can build the church on the doctrinal teaching of God's word. We need the doctrinal teaching. Doctrinal teaching is missing today. You build the congregation on the doctrinal teaching. When you know the teaching of God, when you know the teaching of salvation, when you know the teaching of the Holy Spirit, when you know the teaching of salvation, when you know the teaching of Eschatology, when you know the teaching of sanctification, you can discern right from wrong. You discern right from wrong. Nobody can sell you anything and everything. You can draw the line. We need Christians who can draw the line and say, enough is enough. You are there, we are here. It's not judgment. It's not judgment. You are antithetically judging from right to wrong. We are called to do that. In earthly level, when you go to the supermarket, you discern what you need to buy. You don't buy anything. The Walmart sells you. You think if for temporary purpose you think eternal purpose how much more we need to think peter does not say where he was when he wrote this epistle but he does in first peter chapter 5 verse 13 So the consensus seems to be that that Peter wrote the second epistle also from Rome in the prison where he was facing imminent death. Shortly after, that is what the historian says, shortly after he he has written, he was martyred. When they were about to martyr him, he said they were about to crucify him, he told that my Lord was crucified straight i do not i am not worthy to be crucified like my lord so crucified me upside down so they did de- crucify peter upside down and after that peter paul was beheaded beheaded The historical and theological theme. Second Peter was written for the purpose of exposing and the thwarting, the defeating, the invasion of the false teachers into the church. And you know, by the way, you know, three chapters of Second Peter and Jude is one chapter. So four chapters you can finish almost in 20 minutes. Read that when you go home. And you see so many similarities between those, these two epistles. Because they are talking about the false teachers. And you can compare with the culture we are living in. Peter intended to instruct Christians in how to defend themselves against these false teachers. And their deceptive lies. The descriptions of the false teacher is somewhat generic. In this epistle, Peter does not identify specific false religion or cult or system or teaching. In a general characterization of false teachers, he informs that they teach destructive heresies. They deny Christ. This is one thing the false teacher always do. They deny Christ as the son of God. They deny Christ his finished work. What does happen, my beloved, when they deny the finished work of Christ? What does it say? There is no salvation. There is no accountability. You can live as you want. Take take Christ out of, then you have nothing. You have nothing. You have nothing. That's why all the Jehovah Witness and Mormons and everything is popped up. Because when you talk about the teaching of Jesus Christ, then there is accountability and all these things and they don't want that. They don't want. In a generic tradition, false teachers, they, they, they don't accept that. They deny Christ and they twist the scripture. They mock the second coming of Christ They mocked the second coming of Christ. Peter was concerned to show the immoral character of these teachers. And he exposed their teachings. You know, my beloved, it is is all right, according to scripture, to expose the false teachers. It is all right. It's not judging. We are not judging. They already judge themselves by wrong teaching. We need to expose them. If there is a poison, we need to tell this is poison. It's not wrong. We cannot label that it is cup syrup. It's a dangerous thing. We need to expose who they are, who they are. Other themes, Peter wanted to, to motivate his readers and to continue to develop their Christian character. You know, how many born-again believers doubt their salvation? Am I really saved? When anything comes along their life, the trial, the testings, and all kinds of things, they question about their salvation. (coughs) Second Peter is beautiful. It will remind the believer. Because remember, these believers, they were going through excruciating suffering and pain. So maybe they must be thinking, why if the Lord we have accepted or Lord accepted us as believers in Christ, why this suffering coming along in our life? Are we really saved? So these are the questions create doubt in their lives. Peter is guiding them step by step. You know my friends, this epistle would help you to instruct other friends or family members or your children. Because many believe that they're Christians and uh, sometimes they're not. So this will help you when you are educated in the scripture. As Peter is going to educate us, there are six or seven steps so beautifully Peter is lining up that we should be knowing that this is the assurance for us then we are grounded, then we have assurance that we are believers in Christ. And we can stand on no matter what comes in our life. Nobody can move us. So it is very important that you read next time, God God willing, we will uh, consider verses one through four. And you will be amazed what Peter has to offer us in our study so he wanted to motivate his readers to continue to develop their christian character from verses 5 to 11 in so doing he peter explains wonderfully how a believer can have assurance of salvation this is very important my friends to have the assurance of salvation Peter also wanted to pursue his readers of the divine character of the apostolic writings. Near the end of his letter, he presents the reasons for delay in Christ's coming. Well, what happened to his coming? Right from the beginning, his coming, his coming. What happened? Well, Peter is talking about why. Christ is delaying his coming. And that will help all of us to be encouraged. Another recurring theme is important, the knowledge of the word. You know, the word knowledge in chapter 1, 2, and 3, in 2 Peter, 16 times he used the word knowledge. And I believe two or three years ago, our church here, had a theme, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. You remember? Grow in the, in the, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If I hand over the piece of paper during the year, how much did you grow? From one to ten. This epistle will help us. To grow. What can we do in order to grow in the knowledge of the truth? Peter's primary solution to false teaching is the knowledge of the true doctrine. Knowledge of the true doctrine. Other distinctive features of 2 Peter include the precise statement on the divine origin of the Scripture. All scripture is God-breathed. It's not man's. It is God's. That means you can trust. You can lean. You can depend. No matter what comes. On Christ the solid, rock I stand, all other ground, is Sinking sand. Well, along with this, and when we're talking about Peter, I wrote a very interesting note, and that will help you, and maybe you can help other people. And that is Peter's confession. Remember Peter, God used him to confess that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Remember that. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, on the word to Caesarea Philippi, Peter acknowledged, he asked the question, what thou thinkest? And they said, Jeremiah, prophet, John the Baptist. But then he said, what do you think? And he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And then what did Jesus say? That's very important. And this will help you to understand so you can make people understand. So please listen very carefully and understand. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Follow this very carefully. Thou art Peter. No, you are Peter. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Stop there what is jesus talking about how it was twisted how it was twisted what is the truth more than 1500 years roman catholic has maintained that this passage teaches the church was built on the person of peter follow very carefully person of peter who became the first pope and became and first pope and bishop of rome and from whom the catholic papacy has since descended but sadly because of this supposed undivinely ordained apostolic succession, the Pope is considered to be the supreme authority representative of Christ on earth. When a Pope speaks ex cathedra, that is the ex official capacity as a head of the church, he is said to speak the divine authority equal to that of God in the scripture. Such an Such an interpretation is absolutely unbiblical and uh, blasphemous. Christ alone is the foundation of the church. On Christ the solid rock I stand. How many lives have been burned on the stake because they deny a a pope's authority? How many lives? How many lives? Let me prove what Jesus said and how it is twisted. The word Peter, follow very carefully. Those who interpreted this is absolutely did not know Greek. The word Peter is from Greek "petros." A masculine form of a Greek word, a small stone. Keep that in mind. It's a small stone. Where Jesus is using the word rock on this rock. The word rock is from Greek word petra. Petra. A different form of the same basic word referring to Rocky mountain. Rocky Mountain. Most popular interpretation is therefore that Jesus was comparing Peter, a small stone, to the great mountain rock on which he would build his church. What was the big mountain rock? His confession, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Right. That was a big mountain according to Jesus. But they took small Peter is said... Oh, this is Peter. What a blasphemous. Peter, a small stone, a great mountain rock, which he would build his church. The rock Jesus is using is taken to be Peter's divinely inspired confession of Jesus as the Christ, the son of the living God. The foundation of the church is the revelation of God. The foundation of the church is the revelation of God given through His apostles. The Lord of the church is Jesus Christ. He is the cornerstone of the church because it is His word that apostles taught. And that the faithful church has always taught that Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church. Not the Pope, not Peter, not James, not John. Christ. Christ. And who builds the church? Pope? Christ. Christ built the church. If anybody says anything else is blasphemous. It's a wrong teaching. Christ. You know, let the scripture speaks. Let the scripture speaks. Please note. The Lord did not establish His church on the supremacy of Peter after the confession, when the disciple asked. Now this is very important. Remember this; it happened in Matthew chapter sixteen. Turn with me to Matthew chapter eighteen now, verses one through four. Very quickly, we have three references. I want to go quickly. Let the Scripture speak. Matthew chapter eighteen. Verses one through four. One, two, three, four. Read loudly, quickly. At the same time, came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, "Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven?" And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them, and said, "Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is great in the kingdom of heaven." Thank you. Do you see the point here? In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, Thou art uh, uh, on this rock, that is a big mountain, I will build my church. And then, if if, uh, Roman Catholic peoples believe that Peter was the supreme authority and the Pope, the first Pope, now, if it happened, if that was the truth, if that was the truth, then when, Jesus, when the disciples asked, who is the greatest? they Jesus would have immediately said, I already declared Peter. But he said, little child. Do you see the point? The greatest is the kingdom of heaven. He replied, placing by the small child before them, saying... Please understand, had the 12 disciples understood Jesus is teaching about the rock, the key of the kingdom, as referring to Peter, they would not have asked the question. Secondly, short while later, in Matthew chapter 20, turn with me, verse chapter 20, verse 20 and, 20, 11, 20 and 21, Matthew 20 and verse 20 and 21. Thank you, (laughs) Christian. James and John, and in other places, mother came and said, when you come in your kingdom, let my son on the left and right. Jesus would have said, hey, listen, listen, I already gave the position to Peter. (laughs) Is it not true? How wrong they were. Third, First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Peter himself testifies. 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 through 4. Thank you, Barry. He said, look at his own testimony. What did Peter say about himself? I am fellow elder. I'm not the preeminence. I'm the fellow elders, a witness of the suffering of Christ, partakers of the glory, shepherd of the flock of God, overseers, willing not, To have a dishonest gain. Oh heaven's sake, why these people are taking out of this context? Why can't they read the scripture? Peter did not claim what these people are claiming. Read the scripture. Let the scripture teach you how many lives have been burned on the stake. Because they declined the authority of Pope as a Pope, final authority of God. Christ is the authority. Scripture is the authority. Oh, friends, this is your authority, my authority. Let us stand on that authority. Live in that authority and die in that authority. Christ is the head of the church. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so very much for reminding us that we are standing on that authority of Christ. And we thank you, Lord, for the saints and the heroes of faith who had been slaughtered and burned on the stake because they denied the authority of Pope as successor of Peter. Oh, merciful God, we are so grateful that we are following the footprints of those who have gone ahead of us. Help us, oh God, that we might be courageous in our conviction and following the footprints and live a life when there is confusion around this world. Bless my people, Lord, that help us that we might live more like Christ and live like him, and glorify in our earthly tabernacle. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.